game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. Flip the page. Dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played. Maybe you've made a trade. Trade list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships. They wish they had your. So this is it. You wanna learn the game? 101 pick. When it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Dynasty Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. They ask me. They ask me actually about all these athletes actually. Apparently it's not one part of the strategy gone Development It's all we envelop in telephone A wealth of intelligence Unless you're selfishly embellishing All of the championships Basking it in Let's study in The conferences Pac-12 and Big 12 and the 10 SEC, ACC Win, 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 win Don't forget about the Mountain West The Mac that can flex Somebody is next Ivy League fresh Literally dope all right, everybody, and welcome back. This is actually episode 30 of the Dynasty Owners Manual Podcast. I'm Chris Allen, your co-host, and we have, I think this is the first time we've ever done this, and especially since we've kind of expanded our brand with the Owners Manual brand and whatnot with the Devi Owners Manual Podcast, we, all, we thought it'd be the perfect time to get both podcast together and actually talk about some subject matter that would relate to everybody involved. Uh, Adam and I being of the dynasty mindset, and then with Andrew and Dwight, who I will introduce here shortly, them bringing in the Devi content for some of the college players that are coming in. We decided to do a mashup show here in week 16 uh, with a lot of folks either out of the playoffs or some sweat in our matchups. Uh, we're actually recording right now during the New Orleans and Pittsburgh game, and a lot of us are switching back Back and forth between watching some of the game, scrolling Twitter to see who's scoring uh, because it's late in the fourth quarter. So we will try and stay uh, involved as much as possible. But here we are today uh, trying to bring as much good content to you good folks that want to listen to it as quite as possible. So uh, as as good as an introduction as that could be, I do want to bring in my, my co-host for today. As I just mentioned, uh, we do have, of course, uh, first and foremost, I have uh, my co-host, uh, Adam Wildy with me, along with the co-host of the Devi Owners Manual podcast. I've got Dwight Peebles in the house with me and also, uh, Andrew Harbaugh. So gentlemen, I mean, how, how are we doing tonight? I know everybody's got, you know, we're, we're all kind of, uh, looking in different directions trying to figure out what's going on in, uh, NFL right now, but, uh, how's everybody doing tonight? Yeah, great. Just need 30 points from Damian Williams. He did it last week, right? So uh, probably going to happen again. Other than that, it's going good so far. Three or four look like wins. How's everybody else doing with their playoff matchups and being on the outside looking in if you're not there? Yeah, I've got – looks like I'm going to win at least one um, of five. And then I have a couple of celebrity eliminators. And, man, I haven't checked those yet. And we had our family Christmas today and just just having fun hanging out with family and stuff. And I haven't got to watch as much college football as I'd like. That's going to be here in a couple of weeks after we get past the first. But happy to be on with you guys, man. I won one of my leagues. And I told my wife today at my one of my Christmas dinners that after Baker Mayfield had three touchdowns and no turnovers again, that I'm going to leave her for Baker Mayfield. So... Whenever I can get him on the show, I'll let you guys all know. Nice. If you can get Baker on on the show, please let let me know 
I am a, I guess, uh, like I'm with, I'm on the same page as John Bosch, and we actually had a couple of conversations about this, like uh, through DMs. Is that while we have been Cincinnati fans in the past, we are no longer uh, in that squad. So I'm happy to jump ship and actually start uh, rooting for the Browns because it definitely looks like that's the squad in Ohio to actually attach yourself to if uh, if you if you go that the tribalism route. But uh, either way, I do think Baker Mayfield, especially after today, I think he put his stamp on on Ohio at the very least. And uh, I, I think that'll be something to watch for the next few years. But regardless of that, we're here to talk about we, – we brought you guys in, Drew and Dwight. We got you guys in here from the Devi Owners Manual podcast to talk just about that. I mean, we have plenty of – players we got plenty of uh situations college uh college situations and narratives coming out with some of the players already declaring for the nfl draft um we have plenty of things that we want to try and and get a handle on from a dynasty aspect before we really get into it the real off season begins for us dynasty owners so really i mean i want to start this off as as broad as possible because at least from from my perspective when we walked into a number of these classes regarding regardless of which class it is we try and characterize the class we try and understand okay well if we're trying to if we're trying to look for uh, wide receivers this is the class that you, that you want to look for uh, if you want to look for running backs this is the type of class we look for we try and characterize the types of players and the types of talent that we see coming out in this class so from your guys's perspective what kind of class do you see this being overall i mean if you're kind of looking for uh, players to contribute. I mean, are you? Should you be looking to load up at running back? Should you be lo- looking to load up at wide receiver two, tight end? I mean, what have you guys seen so far in your research to say that these are the positions that dynasty owners should be looking to invest in uh, with this uh, 2019 class? Yeah, I think as far as there isn't a, a group that stands out as strongly as it has in the past. The wide receiver group was thought to be. Very strong, and it's strong, but I think it's going to be very dependent on landing spots as well as running backs, and there's not much of a quarterback. I actually really like the tight end class this year, and if you're a tight end needy team, there's definitely going to be some really good options there. There are some good running backs. There are a handful, probably about 8 to 10 wide receivers that could be first-year impact type of players depending on where they fall. So it's... It's going to be a lot up in the air. The combine is going to be the combine, the, the bulls, those guys that are playing. That's going to be very critical this year. I mean, I guess since you just mentioned that, uh, Andrew, I definitely want to get your opinion on the class as a whole as soon as as soon as I'm done here. But I wanted to at least talk about that real quick and get your guys' perspective because I know that's been Adam chime in as well but what do you guys think about some of these players that have been uh sitting out of the bowl games in order to uh, declare that they know they're going to be declaring for the draft i mean do you guys have any opinion one way as to whether or not uh, they should be playing supporting their team Uh, do you think it really makes much of a difference uh, with respect to their their draft cost versus uh or i guess their probable draft cost versus uh the uh, the injury risk or I guess I wanted to hear you guys' take on that because really I think that if there's a way for them to get into the NFL healthy in one piece and they do have a chance at going in a you know going in the first couple of rounds or something like that, if that's their choice, I do believe it, that to be their choice. But I wanted to hear uh, some of your guys' opinions and see if there's anything a, a different perspective from from you guys. This question makes me wish we cussed more on this show. I can't stand anyone that criticizes these players for not playing in the bowl games when they have the opportunity to make millions of dollars and set up their kids 
and their grandkids and their grandkids' grandkids by not getting injured for free. So, yeah, sit out all the bowl games. And for anyone that doesn't understand, you get to delete their number in a few months. So it doesn't really matter. They'll uh, be watching you from the couch in the NFL. I'm the same way. It's one of those things where look at Jalen Smith today had a fumble recovery for a touchdown, and he's arguably the anchor to that Cowboys defense and the way it's been resurgent with the team as a whole is because of Jalen Smith. And he shouldn't have made it to the second round with the Cowboys, but because he gets hit late out of bounds and blows his knee out in a meaningless bowl game. Um, I mean, I know if you're a Notre Dame fan, it's not meaningless. And same could be said with Dick Bosa getting hurt against TCU this year. Um, if you're an Ohio State fan, you might be in the playoff if he came back. But at the same time, they're sacrificing their bodies. If you need to know why, go watch Concussion, and you can see why. It's not just knees getting hurt, but it, until they get paid or compensated in some way, they don't owe the university or anything, any, or anybody anything. So I'm all for it. You go get paid. You go get that money because – I can't, so why can't you? And anyone, it's not fair for anyone to criticize him either. I'm heated about that as well, Adam. Right, I agree with both of those guys. I, the fan part in me wants to see them play, especially if it's like a meaning, meaningful, like a New Year's Eve game or, you know, one of the playoff games. But other than that, I don't see any reason for them to even play. But the fan, there is the fan side of me that would like them to play, you know, and it's going to, hopefully tip the balance of power and get these guys paid because I think they need to be paid, but that's a whole other show. So, guys, we're going to get into the practical application of the show. What we want to do first here is we want to take a the top 12 right now for you guys. This is kind of a consensus top 12. Andrew's going to guide us through the offense, and uh, we'll just take the biggest thing that stands out from each player in their top 12 currently. And then after that, Dwight's going to guide us through some of the top defensive players for UIDP folks on his own. So from here out, Andrew, go ahead and take over for this top 12. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Adam. And thank you, Chris, too, for both of you for having us on so we can do this for you, everybody. Um, one of the most electric players I'd say that's going to be in the draft, the one that everyone talks about just because you see him on the Sports Center top 10 all the time, is Akeel Harry from Arizona State, the wide receiver. He has great hands. He has great leaping ability. He has great ball skills. All of that's going to make him be a potential playmaker at the next level. The only thing that everyone's kind of waiting on is to see how fast he is and get a 40 time on him, which everyone will get come the combine, as long as he runs it there or his pro day. That's his biggest thing is his separation and his speed. If he can answer that, he might come out of this being the wide receiver one. And like, just to go back a little bit here, this wide receiver class, like Dwight said, is decent it's just everyone's got questions which leads me into the next guy here being dk metcalf from old miss old miss realistically has three wide receivers one of them being metcalf that could be top uh, be at the top of the board here at this class biggest thing with metcalf is if he comes out of the combine with no medical red flags he should be without a doubt the wide receiver one he'll go across the middle he'll stretch you vertically he has the good hands he has the ball skills he has everything you want to be a top wide receiver. He could potentially even be a wide receiver one out of Michael Thomas. I'm not saying he'll be a Michael Thomas, but when I watch him from what I have, that's what I think of first. And then his teammate, A.J. Brown. My biggest thing on A.J. Brown, and it's actually what you guys had me on to talk about, was the article where I compared the two. I'm not as high on A.J. Brown as a lot of people are. A lot of people I've seen have him as the wide receiver one. 
He's speedy. His footwork, he's able to stop on a dime. His route running is a big concern to me. He runs a lot out of the slot, so he has a lot, very limited route tree. But And then the other thing, too, I've noticed is he doesn't necessarily perform that well against top-flight competition in the SEC, such as Alabama, LSU, Auburn, teams like that. And as I mentioned, Alabama, they got running back Damian Harris. They have several running backs there. Josh Jacobs, who if he declares could make a case being at the top of this running back class, but nobody's heard anything on him. And then with Damian Harris, because there's so many runners at Alabama and because they finally were able to pass the ball for the first time in so many years, Damian Harris has kind of slipped under the radar a little bit. I like his size. I like his instincts. I like his running ability. Biggest thing that's going to hold him back for people is just because you don't hear about him on that Alabama team because he's not a pass-catching back. He's just kind of a third down and goal line sort of situation guy. But that's just because two has been so fantastic this year. And then my diamond in the rough, I think, in this whole thing is, and you can take him at 101 in a, a rookie draft, is tight end Noah Fant out of Iowa. He has the size. He has the ball skills. He has the blocking. He has – Dwight's laughing at me, but <laughs> I – <laughs> I love Noah Fant. I, I really do. I have one league where I know I have the first pick next year. I've already I've already told everybody that don't offer me anything, don't do anything. I, it's going to be Noah Fant because that's what I need as a tight end. Andrew, no, <laughs> nobody else has taken my Noah Fant. I got Baker Mayfield and Noah Fant in my life, and then I'll be good. If you need a tight end, or if you're in a tight end premium league, I, I think he's worth a 101. And you're, you're laughing, but I'm telling you, when I'm wrong, potentially in three, four years, then we can look back on this. Dave Montgomery, he's right now probably my RB1 in this class out of Iowa State. Uh, I really like him a lot, and, and circumstances have made this necessarily a bad comp. But as far as on the field, Dave Montgomery reminds me a lot of Kareem Hunt coming out of Toledo. I like same size body, same pass catching ability. They've shown a little bit. He's shown a little bit of a quickness at times, but he can also kind of be a bruiser. So Montgomery has a lot of flexibility depending on what team he goes to. And then speaking of red flags, you got Rodney Anderson running back out, out of Oklahoma. He's had a broken leg. He's had neck issues towards ACL this year. Um, there's some red flags potentially off the field as well. All that being said, if he can come out of it and teams trust him, I expect him to have a big fall just because of the injury history and the off-the-field stuff. He could sneak into a second, third-round rookie draft if someone really doesn't believe in him. But I think once drafts start going and combine and where he goes could also affect, he could sneak up into an early first-round pick for a Debbie League. Somebody that is really starting to jump up boards, too, I've noticed a lot more people are picking up on him, is Daryl Henderson, the running back out of Memphis. Averaged over eight yards a carry this year, almost nine. Had 1,900 yards going into the bowl game that he decided to sit out, which is good because now we don't have to worry about him having some weird injury. So I really like Daryl Henderson as far as his quickness and outside running ability. Kelvin Harmon is a wide receiver that everyone's kind of forgetting about, I think. He's just getting kind of lost in the mix because everyone's seeing the bigger names with the A.J. Browns, the D.K. Metcalfs, and the Keel Harrys. Harmon's just a smoother route runner with good hands, and he's just more of that Mr. Reliable sort of Heinz Ward type. It has sort of an old-school comp. I'm sure 
Chris would know, being a Bengals fan, how much fun Heinz Ward has been over the years. Man, don't remind me. <laughs> and then Dwight's favorite player on this list, uh, we go to the Michigan running back, Karan Higdon, and he's sitting there shaking his head, all poor old Michigan State Dwight. I, I really have been pounding the table for Karan Higdon. If you've listened to Debbie Manuel, I, I like him a lot. I like his size. I like his workload that he's shown he can handle. Two years ago, he was able to do 20 carries a game and not really show that he gets tired, do 200 yards a game, and he'll be able to handle it and still be fine the next week. This year, he was able to kind of take a step back because they got the passing game with Shea Patterson rolling. So he'll be coming into the NFL having a little bit more fresh legs. And after all that, I need a drink. But that's a couple names, a handful of names, really, just to get you an introduction here of who to look for. If you have anybody or more questions, me and Dwight, or our rankings, the Devi Manual, we go into it even more. But those are who you're going to see probably going in your first round of your rookie drafts. And before we hit on the IDP side of the things, just a disclaimer, that's not quite uh, Andrew's order. No, and thank you. Quite a bit. So what we're trying to do right now is just get listeners associated with different names, where they're from, what they've done. And uh, there's no real point in ranking them in any specific order, more like tiers at this point. Until the season gets out, we see that these guys get out without injury or how they're recovering from their injuries. But, um, yeah, now, Dwight, you want to go ahead and take us to the IDP side of things and let us know what our IDP rookie drafts are going to look like early on, please. Absolutely, man. You're going to see, if you've read any mock drafts and you've heard anything from the pundits at this point, it's gonna, it is a very heavy defensive draft. It's going to really need an infusion of defensive talent in the league. Hopefully they know how to tackle quarterbacks right or else they're just going to be ending up, you know, the penalties and everything. But everybody's, you know, there's a lot of comparisons that Nick Bosa is actually better than Joey Bosa. He's pretty much the consensus 101 at this point for the actual draft. And I think if you have a defensive draft, he's if you have a mixed league, you'll see defensive players typically start going in the second round of a mixed draft. So he'll probably be one of the first to go. Um, Quinnen Williams from Alabama is a name that came, came out of nowhere in the offseason. He's going to be probably the second or third pick as well. Um, he's a monstrous defensive tackle that does just about everything. He's actually my favorite. If I had to build a defensive line around, I would build it around him as opposed to Bosa. But that's just a preference of mine. Like the guys that can do that are more than just a rusher. Josh Allen from Kentucky. He's an amazing, amazing young player. Uh, outside linebacker just rushes the passer, just wreaks all sorts of havoc all over the field. Incredibly fun to watch. He'll be a first round pick. Greedy Williams from LSU is a really good cornerback. He's got really good size, um, good size for cornerback. I think he's six two. He's very long, very quick. He's a, he's a lot of fun to watch. He just does not get thrown at in college. He's an, he's an amazing prospect. He'll go in the top ten as well. Colin Farrell's another defensive end from this guy's from Clemson. He's huge, just huge, and just moves bodies and incredibly strong, quick. Just like Ed Oliver from Houston, another defensive end that's going to go right up there. All six of these guys should probably go in the top ten to twelve. Devin White is a, probably the top linebacker in the class from LSU. Um, typical, uh, prototypical three down linebacker. He can cover, cover the, uh, tight ends, running backs. Um, gr- great tackler. He was a running back coming into LSU and converted to linebacker. 
and you can see the way he moves. He's very fluid, very, very fun to watch. Byron Murphy's a really good cornerback. He'll go in the top, probably 15 to 20 as well. Deontay Thompson's the top safety. He's from Alabama. Just one of those, the new age safeties that can kind of, can come up in the box, can cover the slot, can go out in the, can play free safety and roam out there in the center field and just does everything and comes from a, a pro style defense in Alabama. Who's really good coaching. Ja'Kai Polite is from Florida. Is a very good edge rusher. Andrew's boy. Uh, incredibly fun to watch as well. He's one that's gotten a lot better this year and will definitely benefit from some NFL coaching. DeAndre Baker from Georgia is uh, another one of those safeties that can kind of do, does everything. He might be more of a slot corner in the NFL, but he's has the ability to do everything. And my last guy on the list is kind of a fun name, O'Shane Zeminez from Old Dominion. Just a sack monster. And um, comes from a small school, so he's, he's very raw and will need some coaching as well. But you watch him on the tape, and he's just fun to watch. He's so quick and just tears around the end, and just he, he just has this, like, vengeful streak in him. He's a lot of fun to watch. So that's my top 12 at this point. Um, and all, all those guys are going to be gone in the first round. I mean, it's no – in the NFL draft. And some of them that will, will be good IDP players as well. IDP doesn't translate as well, especially on the defensive line. Sometimes you'll get guys that are highly regarded and highly drafted that won't be as much of a factor in IDP, but that's a, a whole a whole lot more information. Good job, guys. Um, that's extremely valuable information. Now uh, Dwight catches his breath. I just want to remind everyone, take your time with, with those two lists and go ahead and take notes if you need to and the IDP side matters, even for people who aren't playing IDP, because you're going to have players matched up against these players next year. So knowing these players can provide a competitive advantage next year, just like uh, you might have known Denzel Ward might have been a great cover corner. And this year, it's he's kind of wreaked havoc. He's done a great job. So that's going to lead me into my next question. And then Chris is going to have a very important question for both of you. And Andrew, just to give you a heads up, you cannot pick Noah Fant for that answer. <laughs> what I want to ask both like of you, starting with Andrew, is why is it so important to start this scouting process now in your dynasty leagues? I would say the biggest thing is, and I was telling my wife to keep tying her in, I think it's just because I had that divorce poll up the other day as an apology, but I was telling her, I said, come January through April, I'm going to be watching all these different players. And she's like, oh, that's great. Blah, blah, blah. I said, yeah. And then I said, come May, I got to make a whole new list of players. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you, if you get a head start, like not everyone in your league is looking at draft stuff right now. And if you are like me in my one league and I have the number one overall pick and I've known I'm going to have that for a while because I have a lot of players on the IR, then you need to start getting ready to be like, hey, who can I get that I'm going to be a championship contender? Who am I going to get to get into the playoffs? So it's one of those things where just like anything, if you don't prepare for it, you're just going to go into it blind and be like, oh, well, this guy's on the Falcons, and then he must be good because he's a receiver, and then he's going to be with Matt Ryan, and that's it. But if you don't know what type of receiver he is and how he's going to compliment Calvin Ridley and potentially Julio Jones, then that's going to be where you're going to lose out in that sense. 
So that's why you've got to really dig in and look at these players. I'm not saying have a list of 100, 150. Leave that for everyone else to do. But just kind of get an idea of, hey, when you're on the clock in round three, four, or five, they talked about this guy on Debbie Manual. And if they talked about him, what did they say? And then just kind of let it click for you. That's why we're here. My difference is actually a little bit a little bit different than that. I think the noise that you're going to hear has gotten incredible. When you talk between Twitter and ESPN and The Athletic, whatever sites you read, there's I've seen no less than 12 mock drafts in the last two weeks. And then you got the combine, combine and everybody's going to be chattering about that. The noise that you're going to hear about these prospects is going to be insane, and you're going to have – Guy A over here, you have us saying this, you know, Matt Miller saying this, you know, Kuiper saying this, and it's just going to be all over the place. And everybody will say, this is good, but this is bad. This is good. You know, and then the other guy will say, this is good, this is bad. It's good for you to form your own opinion. I like to watch the players aside from the combine because the combine is just a little tiny fraction of what they can do. Sure, they're an athlete, but how many athletes you know that can't play a lick of football? I mean, you know, and how many guys that are just insanely good at football but can't master all the little tiny tasks like that you know like so it's good to have your own opinion as well and use that as a piece of everything a piece of the puzzle and use that along with the combine and along with the landing spot and all that and, and formulate your own opinions that's I, I like to do my own research and i listen to what other people say but i like to have my own opinions as well on that combine note, I will add, just because it's the sexy drill at the combine, the 40-yard dash, it doesn't mean that guy is going to be a good receiver or a good running back. That just means they can run really fast in a tight Under Armour suit in a straight line. Well, hold so, on a minute. Hold on a minute. Are, are you all trying to tell me that John Ross is not going to be a good wide I'm, receiver? I'm not saying that. Andrew, I'm just please. saying he, he shouldn't have been in the top ten that year. Right, but he broke the forty time. Andrew, he didn't win the island though. Uh, but but still though, did he break the forty time? If he didn't he win the did. island, he did. To acknowledge that it's completely ridiculous for them to not run in pads. Like, how hard would it be for them to just put pads right. on the exact same thing? And Jerry Rice was slow. Come on, yeah, yeah Jerry Rice, Rice was slow. Nuke was by slow. standards was slow. Yeah, yeah, Nuke was slow. Yeah, I mean, there there have been a plenty of wide receivers. I mean, so, I mean, just. Absolute like beast. I mean, well, I'm trying to remember what AB ran. His was like what four four, four five something something around there. I it wasn't very really impressive. I mean, he was a late pick. It doesn't really show that he's more quick, anyways. But it's right. just super better than everyone else. If you saw his catch, that thank goodness didn't count today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> AB ran a four point four seven. There it is. All right, so. I guess my, my question though, and I, I do agree with both you guys, uh, in your sentiments regarding drafting or scouting now, because market saturation is a real thing. I mean, while we do appreciate everybody coming and listening to our dumb podcast, I mean, there are going to be 8 million different voices out there uh, having their opinions on a lot of these prospects. So getting into it now and doing your own research, Listening to smaller folks like ourselves, uh, you know, going back and forth over some of these players would serve you well uh, come February, March, when the ruckus gets too loud for you to actually hear your own self think when it comes to looking at how these players may or may not perform and then forget about it once the combine comes. Uh, all you're going to hear is measurements 40 times, how quick they can run, how many drills they do well in, and all that. 
uh, shortly before the actual draft happens, and then it's just absolute chaos afterwards. Uh, but Andrew, I did have a couple of questions for you, at least on the offensive side of the ball, uh, just regarding a, a couple of players here. So we already had a discussion on DK Metcalf and Nikhil Harry, I believe, when we talked to you uh, on our podcast a couple months back. Uh, but if we were to actually just focus in on your guy, uh, Noah Fant, if I if w- I want to talk team fits because I'm trying to understand at least the that specific player, what they do well, and where you can kind of see specifically where you could see their skills translating to in the NFL, so I can get a gauge in my mind as to how I would want to or how much I'd want to invest in that player, assuming everything works out. Uh, just for one of the players on your list, and I'm going to pick Noah Fant because I know that's your that's your boy. So tell me more about Noah Fant and where you could see him going and excelling this upcoming draft. I think the ideal situation, and you could say this for any tight end of the draft, is New England. You don't know what's going to happen with Gronk, whether the way he's been playing the last couple weeks, he kind of looks like a broken down car that you keep patching the tires on and just sending it out there. I think any tight end goes to New England, it's going to be insane number wise but if you send someone like Noah fan to New England then I think the production Gronk had is a total realistic option for what Noah fan could do another place I like but it probably won't happen because they don't have a first round pick is Dallas just because they have that need at tight end they really have missed Jason Witten a lot this year I don't see him slipping into the second round especially late in the second round where they would be picking and then as far as just a sneaky pick if the Giants are going to keep investing in Eli Manning for one more year and the quarterback class is not going to be that special like everyone thinks, you got Odell Beckham, you got Saquon Barkley. I think if you threw Noah Fant with him in New York, I think that would be interesting because Odell's going to stretch it. And Saquon, everyone's going to be focused on at the line of scrimmage and in the linebacker groups. Noah Fant can just feast. Are you saying Evan isn't special? I'm saying he is, but a lot of people could go two two tight end sets. And again, I'm not trying to keep making comps with bad players, mm-hmm. but look at New England when they had Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. Those two were top 12 tight ends every year just because they were able to help each other out. Ingram's more of like the vertical stretch tight end. Like you could put him out in receiver and you wouldn't even notice a difference. Um, fan could still block, which is why I think he would compliment Ingram very well in New York. Yeah, I meant to ask you about Noah Fant's blocking prowess. Is he a pretty solid blocker as well? I, not a lot of tight ends anymore really block, especially at the NFL level. In college, you kind of see it more just because those fits. Um, different programs don't always use the tight end in such a passing way. And Iowa does have TJ Hawkinson, which is another potential top tight end guy, but he hasn't declared yet. He's a redshirt sophomore. But Noah Fan, I think, is the best blocker in the top tier of tight ends as far as what you could see with fantasy production. There's tight ends on the back end of the rankings that are going to be better blockers. They're going to be drafted for that purpose. But if you want Noah Fan in fantasy, he's going to get more playing time because he can block. So that's an underrated tool that he has in his arsenal. The mock drafts I've seen have him going, almost every one of them have him going to Oakland in the mid-20s. And uh, I've seen a couple with Houston as well. I like Oakland. I, I actually don't mind Carr, though, so mo- most people can't stand him. So. I don't mind Oakland either. I mean, they have Jared Cook there, but he's kind of on the tail end of things, so that wouldn't be a bad spot either. 
Yeah, I like I like that call. Uh, the Houston one, I, I do like. Not sold on who do they have right now? Ryan Griffin and uh, Jordan Th- uh, no, Jordan Thomas, I believe is that's it. Yeah, yeah, and Jordan Thomas. Yeah, they have three young guys, so you really just need one of them to emerge. But um, I mean, no fan would stop all three of them. Yeah, I, I agree on that point. Uh, but I think there is something to what you were saying earlier, Andrew, about teams running uh, two tight end sets. So if the Giants, I, I'm not sure, I'm not totally sold on this coaching staff and if they are as forward thinking as we would like them to be. But we've already seen uh, Philadelphia has switched to running uh, 12 personnel on a decent amount of their plays with Goddard and Ertz being on the field. So they've actually been able to sell that quite well and move the offense, uh, I think, fairly efficiently, having like running those two tight end sets. So if more teams wanted to incorporate that sort of offensive scheme, which, I mean, clearly seems to be working out for Philadelphia, looking at St. Nick actually just completely crushing it today, I do think that that would be something that could work out for for them. But regardless of where he winds up at, I think Fant is going to wind up being, I mean, one of those names that I know that everybody this past season, I mean, it was uh, it was Gusecki, it was Goddard. I mean, as were those tight ends that people were really looking for in the draft. So I think that Fant can wind up with, I'm hoping he winds up with a similar amount of hype. Uh, and, and even actually even the two tight ends that were, uh, that got drafted uh, by Baltimore. Uh, but I, I think that's I think that's something that we can uh, we can look forward to like in the next couple of months. Uh, but similar a similar question to you, Dwight. Uh, so I know that I'm, I'm just going to cheat and say that because uh, because I'm from Ohio, uh, I will I will focus in on the Ohio native uh, Mr. Bosa, and I know that he's one of those guys that actually fit into the mold of what we were discussing earlier in terms of players that are going to be you know sitting for their bowl games. I mean he's he's injured. Looking at his particular situation, uh, one, I mean, how early do you really see him being drafted? Because I can't even remember. So he sat out for, I forget how many weeks he wound up sitting out for, uh, came back, and then now he's not going to be playing in the bowl game. So with his particular situation, one, how early do you see him being drafted? And then two, where do you see a fit for him, I mean, given his, given his skill set, similar to his brother's? Right. I mean, he's going to be the first overall pick unless somebody does something drastically silly and pick moves up the number one for someone. But even then, I think he's still going to be the first pick. He's just, he's a generational defensive end. You know, one of those, you hate using terms like that, but he's one of those guys that's going to make a difference, like, like his brother. Um, I think Arizona's pretty much locked in the first pick at this point, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they can even win next week and they'd probably still have it. And they, they have some interesting pieces on the defensive line already with, um, Marcus Golden and, I mean, he's just, he's such an impactful player that you, you can't pass him up at that point. I can see a team maybe moving up for him, but I, I don't think so with as deep as this defensive line class is and as many talented pass rushers as there is. I don't think anybody's going to move up for him. I think the Cardinals are just going to get him unless somebody like the Giants decides they want to go get Dwayne Haskins at one or some silly thing like that, you know. So I don't see there's any way he's not 101 this year. So for you personally, I mean, for you being the, our resident IDP expert, I mean, if you're if you're sitting there at the at the 101 in in your draft, is he the guy that you're that you're picking up without question? If it's only defensive players, yes. Yeah. 
think so. I think linebackers tend to be a little more valuable. So you could make a value, you could make a valid case for Devin White. And I've seen Devin penciled to go to the Bengals in most mock drafts, which I would absolutely love. They have a need there really bad for that, especially in that division. Um, and he would, you would be hard pressed not to take him because he's just a guy that's going to get 120, 130 tackles every year, you know, throwing a small handful of sacks. And I mean, he's going to be that type of guy right off the bat. Whereas Nick Bosa, he's, he's going to be great, but pass rushers tend to be a little streaky and you don't see too many go like that high in defensive drafts. And now, Andrew, same question for you. So you're sitting at the 101. I mean, who's, who is your 101 for, for the 2019 class? I mean, assuming ideal situations, like, uh, they, they wind up coming to fruition in terms of landing spots, no injuries, things of that nature. Yeah, tell us more about Noah Fant, Andrew. Yeah, not Noah Fant. It can't be Noah Fant. You're good. You're good. Um, man, if everything came out perfect out of, combine injuries and all that stuff I'd, I'd probably say DK Metcalf would be my 101 because my biggest thing as long as his neck's okay I mean you see Mike Williams now with San Diego he came out of college pretty much same neck injury not as Metcalf wasn't as severe as Mike Williams so Mike Williams has bounced back from a more severe neck injury and he's producing finally and wide receivers take a little bit they take a year or two but I think if Metcalf goes to the right place um, and everything lines up perfectly, like you're saying, I would say DK Metcalf in most drafts is going to be 101. Refresh my memory real quick because I remember we discussed him on on our uh, episode, but where do you see him going? I mean, how early and like what team do you see him going to? I, I'll see him probably going in the teens as far as the team that could be in the mix for him. Uh, if he might, he might slip a little bit just because teams might be trading up for pass rushers. I know Bosa's going to go number one, but then you got nine others who could fill in between now and then. Um, I could see Oakland trading one of their extra first to move back up into the first round to get him to replace Amari Cooper. Uh, I could see someone like a, I wouldn't mind Cleveland taking him just because they've got Jarvis Landry and they've got Callaway. Perryman's having a career resurrection, which I think is going to be just for the last couple of games here. I think they need one more weapon to complement Baker. So I think Metcalf would be a nice stretch there. And then if they could move Jarvis Landry back to the slot and make all the fantasy players happy again. Okay. And I'm, I'm definitely with that. And then uh, last question for the two of you guys before we get on out of here, because uh, Sunday Night Football is about to start. And I know that Adam has some players going. He's probably going to be sweating for the rest of the night, drinking Bud Light Limes and uh, other trash uh, alcohol like that. But, Andrew, I mean, just to keep you on the hot seat real quick, uh, when it comes to – I know we always want to talk about sleepers. I know that uh, sleepers is a term I think is completely outdated because with the age of information being as it is, there really aren't any more sleepers. But with that being said, if you were to pick out a sleeper for this class, somebody that you're looking for to maybe either – pop in the combine and maybe make one of those uh, last-minute pushes in order to improve their draft stock, whether it be through the through their bowl game and combine or something like that. I mean, who are you really watching for to really make a splash and maybe uh, show something that they that you believe that the talent that they have, but nobody re- is really talking about them yet? Yeah, there's a couple linebackers that, are, that I really, really like coming out of here. Khalil Hodge from Buffalo is a – has a the small school profile that he came from Buffalo, which is where um, Cleo Mack came from. 
And he's also got he's but he's a different type of linebacker. He's very quick, instinctive. I see one that he'll be jumping up the he's got gaudy college stats, but he's one that will probably do really well at the combine. There's a couple guys. Um Rashawn Gary's gonna kill the combine, I think. He's an athletic freak, although I don't have as much faith in what his actual ability is, but that's just me. I, I see him routinely going in the top ten or fifteen, but he's one that'll probably kill the combine. Montez Sweat from Mississippi State, Brian Burns from Florida State, a couple guys that are pass rushers that are going to look to make that an impact in this class that will probably do very, very well in the combine. And Jalen Ferguson from Louisiana Tech, who just broke the career sack record, he's one that is kind of lower name on the radar, come from a smaller school, and he's going to be one of those guys that does really well in the combine and really makes a name for himself and could jump up in the top 15, 20 consideration at defensive line. Now, Dwight listed DeAndre Baker from Georgia in his potential first round for IDP guys. If I told you there was a guy this year that had 15 for 219 yards and two touchdowns against probably a top three corner in this rookie class, top 12 player overall defensively, I would think he's going to be doing some pretty good things in the NFL. And that's where I'm going to introduce you, and I'll pound the table again. He'll be one of my pound-the-table guys. That's what we'll trademark this as. Andy Isabella, wide receiver from UMass. On the year, he was a Blitnikoff finalist. 100 catches, uh, 1,697 yards, touchdowns out of UMass. And the problem is he played at UMass. The other problem is when I watch Andy Isabella, his quarterback has a throwing motion that's similar to Blake Bortles and Tim Tebow's. So the fact that he's able to catch 101 should speak to his talent level as well. He's not a giant guy. He's 5'10", 190. He will be at the Senior Bowl, which is where I think he's really going to flourish. Senior Bowl practice, he'll be able to jump up and catch a lot of people's eyes. I think he'll do well at the Combine. I He could slip into the first round of the NFL draft and uh, the second come April. So he's one that I think is really going to start to shoot up and that everyone should keep an eye out for. All right, I think that's perfect. Adam, do you have any notes or anything for the folks before we wrap things up for tonight? Yeah, just want to consider this episode the start of the 2019 offseason, and it's going to be a very fun one. Of course, shows slowed down a little bit during the actual football season as we sweat all our week's matchups and really want to leave room for you all to be listening to the uh, fantastic weekly shows that you need to get you where we are right now. So we appreciate everybody that's been sticking around and spread the word to people who haven't been sticking around and let them know this is the place to be for your dynasty offseason. You can find me still at DHH underscore Adam. Please follow the Twitter handle at Dynasty Manual. And then you can also get with us on YouTube. Our shows are live and you can find us at Dynasty Pregame. We appreciate you listening and looking forward to a great offseason. Yeah, 100%. And so for the fellows over at Devi, Devi Owners Manual Podcast, uh, where can they find you guys and, and your work and whatnot? Um, for the actual podcast, we are at Devi Manual. We also have Devi Owners Manual at gmail.com. If you want to send us over some screenshots, just email us questions, whatever. I myself am at FF People's Champ on Twitter, and I'm on there all the freaking time. So if you drop me a message, I'm sure we'll get back to you pretty quick. Andrew? Yeah, no, you can find me on Twitter at DHH underscore man. If for anyone who hasn't listened to us yet, and they're going to be listening to Chris Adam here, because we've both got some great things here, I promise you 
me and Dwight are going to be diving into a lot of fun stuff. We're going to try to get you guys interact with their listeners to see what we can do to help you out and do, just have a lot of fun planned. I don't want to get on a rant because then I'm going to be making Adam lose his mind with Damian Williams. I promise you, if you haven't tuned in, starting the new year when me and Dwight kind of get things revamped, it's going to be the time to do it. Absolutely. So I, I thank you guys for, for coming out. And uh, I think this was exactly what we need to do for the uh, owner's manual brand. I think this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation to really get uh, into the upcoming class and understand who's coming out and then how we as dynasty um, uh, dynasty owners can really start to shift our priorities and our resources so that we know the players that we're supposed to be picking up. So that's absolutely perfect. Well done, gentlemen. And uh, I'm Chris Allen. You can find me on Twitter at ChrisAllenFFWX. I'll be retweeting pretty much everything that these guys are going to be putting out, so definitely look for any of the stuff that these guys are going to be putting out like from our handle at the Dynasty Army Manuals podcast. So we thank you, everybody, for coming out and listening to us, and we'll catch you guys next week. When it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Dynasty. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Dynasty Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty, it's automatic.